how's everyone doing this morning? Hey, I just want to point out a couple of things, man. We got the greatest bunch of students in this church. They're all hanging out over here, just a small subset of them. Just love all of them guys and gals. Uh, really some world changers that we have in our church. So, hey, just before we get started, if you just have on your heart some time, if you could just pray for the youth ministry here, that would be phenomenal. Kids are seriously under attack in our community and um, in um, the space that we live in today. So if, you, if it's on your heart, just please lift them up in prayer. That would really be great. But I'm really excited to be here this morning. Really, it's just an honor and a privilege to be asked to, to speak and just be a, uh, a conduit of God, really. That's really my job, is for me to just sort of deliver what God has for you. I hope that you came to church wanting and um, expecting. We, there was a song that we sang, the first song that we sang this morning. There was a line in it that said, expectant here for you to move. I really hope that that's your heart and that's what you came to church today to expect God to move in your heart. So when Pastor Bob a couple of months ago said we were doing the book of Romans, I'm like, that's awesome because I love the book of Romans. And so I said to Pastor Bob, I said, hey, if we get to Romans chapter eight, and if you just happen to find yourself out of town, I would love to speak on Romans eight. Guess what? He was out of town this week. So happy anniversary. Um, but thank you for being out of town because I get to speak on Romans 8. Coincidence? I think not. Thank you. <laughs> I love my kids. Um, so I'm just excited to be here. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter of the Bible. I have a lot of favorite stories, a lot of favorite sections of the Bible, but I tend to always go back to Romans 8. Romans 8 is, is just, there's so much to it. Romans 8 is like a big hug sandwich. Yes, I just related the Bible to a sandwich. You will not hear that many places. So we start the beginning of Romans 8, and it's a big giant hug in the, in the front end. We're going to finish next week. It's such a big sandwich that we're going to break this up into two weeks, and Pastor Jack gets the privilege of closing this up in Romans 8, and I'm really excited about that. And There's a big hug at the, at the back end of Romans 8, but there's so much meat in the middle of Romans, and that's what we're going to dive into today and next week. I'm just really excited. Are you ready? Yeah. Thank you, Zach Harris. That's awesome. I appreciate that. So let's get started. Turn to your Bible or your phone or whatever you have that you are searching Scripture with. We're going to have a bunch of slides as we go through this, and we're going to turn, obviously, to Romans 8, verse 1. And the first word is, therefore... Doesn't that just grab you? That's exciting. That makes me wanting to dig into scripture. Therefore, it should come with an exclamation point. Therefore, I love that word therefore because I always tell the kids in youth group, you gotta figure out why it's therefore. Yeah, come on, that was good right there. So there's a couple of other versions of scripture that I was studying this and it says, some other versions say, so now consequently, or the message translation says it this way, with the arrival of Jesus, and we're gonna to get to that in a minute because that's a very interesting translation of the word therefore, 
but we're going to talk about that. Paul uses that word almost as a conclusion to what he's been talking about for the first seven chapters in Romans, as Pastor Bob has been teaching us. And so he says that in conclusion, although there's so much more into the book of Romans that Pastor Bob will get to. But we got to back up, if you will, to sort of give us a frame of reference on why Paul says, therefore. So Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21, what Pastor Bob preached on last week is, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Anyone ever have that thought? Look in the mirror and say, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Here's the verse. Here's why I think Paul says, therefore, in Romans 8, chapter 1, it's right here in 725, and it says this, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. You better fire up your amens because we're going to get them all get going. By the end, we're just going to be singing hallelujah, and we're going to sing that song at the end. So God delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we get to Romans chapter 8, and Romans 8, 1 says this. Please listen to this, because maybe you came to church just for this verse right here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Condemnation, what is it? It's this. It's an expression of very strong disapproval or the act of condemning someone to punishment. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Maybe a lot of us just came to church and we needed to hear that this morning. Maybe we just needed to hear God tell you that I don't hold you, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. Jesus Christ's work, as we see a lot, we're going to talk about this a lot. Jesus Christ's work for us says the very fact, because Jesus died for us, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. We are not condemned. We will not be condemned. And we cannot be condemned. Maybe some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, well, my position in Christ, I accepted Jesus. That puts me in a better position with God. But that's a false thinking. You need to think of yourself as there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Man, I don't want you to check out, but maybe this is what you need to hear this morning. Maybe God just wants to give you a big old giant hug this morning that says, hey, I got you. I sent my son for you. He died for your sin. You're good. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. But I think the devil just runs around and he keeps telling us lies and we just keep taking a bite of the apple. Hmm. I don't know. Let's illustrate it this way. So I need a big, strong, hefty volunteer Nick, I'll take you, Mr. Decca champion. 
If you didn't know, he's in DECA at school, and he placed second, second at the state championship. So he's on his way to the national championship in Florida. Yeah. That's pretty, need a chaperone? I'll go. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to illustrate this. Nick, you were born with a condition, right? And that condition is called sin. And what that's going to happen is, is everyone has this condition. And we were all born with the same thing. Need your other, oh no, I better do it right or it's really going to be not good. I messed it up last night, so we're going to try to do it this way. The person I tied up last night cut a circulation off of his wrist, and that was bad. It's comforting. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Don't worry. I've only done this correctly once, so that's all right. All right. So we're attached to sin, but it, doesn't, it gets worse. You've got to hold it. Just stay right there. Feel the love. Am I going to take him home? No, he's yours. I get him on Sunday and Wednesday and some Saturday nights and sometimes else, but otherwise they're your kids. Okay. So as Nick ponders his position, let's continue on. If you get tired, Nick, just let me know because I'll talk slower. So verse 2 through 4 says this in Romans chapter 8. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So verse one says that we are free from the guilt of sin. There's no condemnation. Verse two says that we are free from the power of sin. How are you doing, Nick? Is it heavy? Is it heavy? It is. So is sin. So is the weight of sin. It's a burden. But we were all born with that condition. You see, the law could only detect sin. The law could only say that you're holding. It's, it's against the law to hold the cinder block. But our problem is, yeah, I'm holding the cinder block. It only detects sin. It can't rescue us from sin. And that Bible verse that we just read says only by Jesus can we be set free from sin. So sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus and he bore the condemnation we deserve. So God sending his own son set us free from the law of sin and death. So God, sending his own son, set us free from the law of sin and death. I don't know if you're really understanding or you're seeing what's going on in there, but Zach is my son. And I sent him to set Zach free, or Nick free. You know what I'm talking about. 
Now, I'm not God, never would claim to be God. My son, Zach, is not Jesus. Let me tell you, he's not Jesus. But Nick is free. Nick is free. And it's only by the work. You see the crucifixion, you can untie, and then you can go and enjoy your freedom. See, the crucifixion of Jesus met the requirement of the law, the punishment of sin. The crucifixion of Jesus met that requirement. And that Bible verse that says that we that are in Jesus, so that requirement is met in us through the work of Jesus. So we are set free. So Romans 8 begins with no condemnation. It ends with no separation, which is what Jack is going to preach about. But in the middle, it talks about no defeat. No defeat. So let's talk about that no defeat. That assumes, if you talk about defeat, that at some point there's a battle going on, a war that's waging, raging. Paul talked about it at the end of chapter 7, right? But in chapter 8, it talks about it more. So in verses 5 and 6 in chapter 8, it says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Just because Jesus set us free, and that's a fact, and he did, if you believe in Jesus, that doesn't mean we don't struggle. That doesn't mean there's not a battle going on. Because what this says is that we, that we can live according to the flesh or we can live according to the spirit. My question for all of us is, is what, are our, what is our mind set on? Is your mind set on the flesh or is your mind set on the spirit? Yes, I think about, we're talking about what your mind is on, and I think it's obvious that if your mind, if you're sinning, that yes, your mind shouldn't be set on the sin. We know that. Sometimes we still choose that, but we know that. But maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's anything that our mind is set on that goes against what God really has planned for us that also is included. Well, there's a story in Matthew chapter 16. I encourage you to look it up later because it really talks about what your mind can be set on. So if you look up that story, it's a story of Peter. Don't you just love Peter sometimes? Peter's the guy that ripped out the sword, cut the guy's ear off, right? He's like Mr. Action. Mr. Man, I want to do it my way. He always had the greatest of intentions, but, the, but not the right thinking most of the time. So in this case, in, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter's going to talk Jesus out of the cross. He's going to say, maybe there's a different way. Maybe you don't have to go to the cross. Jesus tells him this. You are not mindful of the things of God. You are mindful of the things of man. So when Romans chapter 8 says, set your mind on things of the Spirit, maybe it's more than the obvious sins. Maybe it's also the things that seem good on the surface, but God's not in it. Hmm. 
Verse 6 of that same passage says that the mind controlled by the flesh is death. And maybe we're not talking the physical death, but let me read you this list, and maybe let's talk about whether you see this in our community, in our schools, and in our workplaces today. Lack of joy, lack of peace, lack of fruit. Anybody see that in the world today? Hmm. But the contrary, and it says set your mind on. The contrary says a mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Notice that it says have your mind set. That means we get to choose. That means we're just not robots running around. That means we actually get to choose to set our minds on the spirit or set our minds on the flesh. It's a battle. But it gets better. And so verses 9 through 11 says this, you, however, and he's talking specifically to those of us that have claimed and have believed and accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in, in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And as a Christian, as a Christian, we have the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in us. That's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a song by Jeremy Camp, and it's called Same Power. Man, I love music. And I love Christian music, right? If you get into my car, that's what's on. If you change the channel, you're out of the car. <laughs> Ask my wife. She's ran by the truck many times. <laughs> I'm kidding. That would never, I'd put her in the bed, not make her run. <laughs> but I love that. See, I just don't think we understand what we have. So if, so. Let's, let's flip it a little bit. So a Christian that has their mind set on the sin or on flesh, that's like a Christian who has a Ferrari in the garage but chooses to walk everywhere and then complain about being tired. Hmm. But let's talk a, minute, a second or two about the second half of verse 9, Right? The second half of verse 9, where it says that um, if you don't have the Spirit, you do not belong to Christ. I don't want to glaze right over that. I don't want to make any assumptions that everyone in this room has accepted Jesus as their Savior. Because I just want to point out that Paul is even speaking to all of those people that have not accepted Jesus. Because if you have not accepted Jesus, you're not in the family of God. You're not there. I just want to speak to you right now that says maybe today's the day where God is speaking to you that you can. 
See, because just like Nick was attached to the cinder block, we were born with a condition called sin. And sin separates us from God. And so God loves us so much and he wants to spend eternity with us that he sent his son to die for us, in place of us. That's the gospel message. But it gets better Because not only did he die on the cross and he took the punishment of our sin, he rose again. He defeated death for us. And so that we can live with God eternally. So I just want to encourage you, if you've never made that decision, maybe today's the day. And God is speaking to your heart now. Don't leave without praying with somebody. Don't leave without knowing that you know that you know that Jesus is your Savior. Because here's why. Because maybe it gets better than that, right? Because if you really truly believe that Jesus is your Savior, we get to verse 12. And he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is, not to, it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Obligation. A lot of us have a bunch of different terms or de- definitions about obligation, but the one I really want you to think about is this. A debt of gratitude for a service or favor. I want you to think about what Jesus did for you, and I want you to think about, man, that's a huge favor. Massive what God has done for us. So because of that act, we should have an obligation to live for the Spirit. And not only that, because I think we just think that we should or that we have to, but maybe we need to think about it as this, because if we live by the Spirit, we live. We live. Hmm. Let's look at it this way. Who likes Sour Patch Kids? Yeah, all the kids raise their hand. Bear, that's hilarious, Bear. Really? So I have this deal with all the students in youth group because we sell Sour Patch Kids, not a big old bag like that, but a little bag, um, in our snack shack in the youth room. And I have this deal with a lot of the students that if they buy a bag, they have to give me a red one out of their bag because that's the only one I'll eat. Um, So it's a really good deal. It's great for me. Um, But I need a volunteer, somebody who really loves Sour Patch Kids. Right? Really? Hmm. Huh. Bear. Hmm. Should I pick Bear? I'll pick Bear. Come on, Bear. You know, realize that every student over there hates you right now. No, no, don't come up here because that would be, no. Hey, if you want to take it, that's fine. You want it? It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. 
Eventually, yes, I do. So before I even got to explain the rules to Bear, he did exactly what we all do. I put a Bible, I put a bag of Skittles. I know, I'm mean. He didn't even know it. Or scour, sour patch, whatever. It's all candy. It's all the same thing. Right? But don't we all, as we go about our life, man, we have to choose things of the flesh or things of the spirit. And things of the flesh are so easy to venture into all the time. It's so easy. Like, Bear, I mean, he, it was fun, and we did it just as an example, but he didn't even think about the Bible that was laying next to it. First of all, he was so impatient, he didn't even understand the rules as we went. <laughs> But isn't it that true with all of us? We're so impatient, we're not patient enough to really see what God has for us, right? So if Bear would have been patient enough and he would have realized that I'm talking about you should set your minds on the spirit, not on the flesh, he should have picked the Bible. You wanna know why he should have picked the Bible? Because I do this all the time in youth group. I misdirect. Because there's treasure in the Bible. There's treasure in putting your mind on the Spirit. God just wants you to dig for it. God wants you to seek him out. God wants you to set your mind on him. So if Bear would have really looked, No, too late now. (laughs) But thanks for playing along. Because that's what we all do. That's what we all do. We all set our minds on the temporary, where Romans chapter 8 says we should set our mind on the spirit that brings life. But there's more. It gets so much better. Because in verses 14 through 17, it says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I think the language is important in verse 14. The language is saying, it's not saying that you're only a child of God if you follow the Spirit that you grab the Bible instead of the Sour Patch Kids. It's not saying that at all. It's saying the very fact that if you have the Spirit, you're called a child of God. See, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, no, we're not going to play the song again, but the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That makes you a child of God. And that gives you the adoption. 
And I really love the fact that Paul's talking about adoption because he's really speaking in language that they understood even back in those days because adoption was a thing in Rome at those days. And I looked up some of the things that were the characteristics of adoptions. Listen to this. This is a physical adoption and these are the characteristics of that that was going on. An adopted son was deliberately chosen to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. The status of an adopted child is the same as one's own child. An adopted child lost all the rights of the old family and gained all the rights of the new family. The adopted child's old life was completely wiped out and the debts canceled. Let's talk about that for us. Because man, it's so good. The same definition of that adoption, of a physical adoption, is the same definition for us as we are adopted into God's family. We were deliberately chosen to perpetuate his name, capital H, his. The status is the same. We have the same status as Christ. That's good news. We have lost all of our rights to our sinful self and gained all of the rights to our spirit self. Man, that is baptism. That's a public profession that you've died to your old self, right? Where's that little kid when I need him, right? He could baptize me right now. He, we died to our old self and were raised new. All of our debts, sins have been wiped out. Come on, that's an amen right there, seriously. Andy, where are you? Your gas tank is empty, come on. That's really good, that's you and me, adopted. And that's why he goes on and it says, we can cry out, Abba, Father. A very intimate term to a very massive God. I've often struggled with that term, Abba, Father, because if you look at that term, it really translates best into Daddy. Daddy. God wants us to have a relationship to him with so close that we can crawl into his lap and cry, Daddy. To a very big God. That's really cool. And really phenomenal. And because of the adoption, we are called heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That means we get an inheritance. That means I don't have to go to my mom and say, hey, you got nothing for me because I got everything from Jesus. Come on, that was funny. Seriously. <laughs> but along with the benefits come the suffering. So that's why in the last line of verse 17, it says, if indeed we share in his suffering... Being a child of God does not give you immunity to suffering. Man, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's post-sin, right? And so even Paul, he says, talks later as we go on in Romans 8, and I call it the great perspective passage, and it starts in verse 18, and even Paul talks about it. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's perspective, right? 
That doesn't make it easy because there is suffering. I get it. I understand. And we want to pray with you and help you and encourage you. But I think what Paul is trying to get across is, is that someday there will be no suffering. It will be revealed. So Paul, in the whole next section, and we're not going to read it, but in 19 through 22, he talks about even creation is subject to frustration. Even the stuff that God created is subject to frustration of bondage and decay. Look at this picture. It's the best way to illustrate that little section of scripture to me. That picture is where when you're driving west on I-7, you get to top of Lookout Mountain and that's what you see. Maybe arguably one of the best views that you can get of the mountains. Just think about this for a minute. God's creation is subject to frustration and is waiting expectantly to be revealed. Can you imagine if you can drive in heaven? I don't really know. That'd be awesome if you can. But you're driving, and in heaven, you come up across Lookout Mountain. What is it going to look like? That's going to be amazing. It's already amazing. But in heaven, it's going to be amazing squared. I don't even know if that's a term. It is now. So verse 22 says that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And again, this is my opinion. But if you look at the news, and maybe it's just because the news is, great, is better at reporting all of the things that are going on, but the number of earthquakes are on the rise, the number of, of natural disasters are on the rise, right? So you can make a lot of inferences that. You can find any chart you want to on the internet to support your position. All I know is the Bible says even creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. I find it interesting, interesting that Paul uses the expression as in the pains of childbirth. Because that really speaks to me as a parent. Because parents will endure the pain of childbirth to get to the future glory of the child being born. Someone listen to this, because God is telling us, maybe we just need to hang on, endure the pain of our suffering, so that we can get to the glory of Jesus coming back. That's good. That makes me want to just hang in. But it gets better. You see, because God just doesn't leave us there like we're out on our own. It says in verse 23 through 26, not only so, but we ourselves, am I ahead of myself? Maybe, no. That not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Let me just paint this little picture to you very quickly. Very quickly. If your life was suffering free, 
would you ever think about God? I don't know. If you look at the Old Testament, the Israelites suffered through a cycle of events, right? God would save them from something. They would be rescued. And all of a sudden, their life would go really well. They would be stupid and do dumb things because they would forget that God existed and then get stuck and do stupid things again and need God. Man, my life sometimes is like that. Maybe suffering is there to remind, not just remind us, but to push us towards God. Right? But it gets better. Because in verses 26 and 27, it's not suffering. And I'm not trying to say, whoa, great is suffering and we should all suffer more. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is that we should focus our minds on the Spirit. Because in verse 26, it says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And maybe it's time as Christians, we fire up the Ferrari and see what we can do. Maybe it's time as Christians, we just really just latch on to the spirit that's already within us, and we just really say, man, I'm jumping on, and let's see what we can do. Because it says in that verse that our spirit, the spirit that we have, that same spirit, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, I'm pretty sure that if it's the power that rose Jesus from the dead, he can help me in my weakness. And we just need to set our minds on the Spirit. Not only that, it's better. Because that Bible verse says that the Spirit communicates with God on our behalf. The Spirit inside of me is probably talking to God and going, that Craig dude, he needs a lot of help. You need to do something. But it's better. So sometimes we're such in a struggle or in a battle of our mind that we don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit intercedes for us. That's really good. That's comforting. That drives me to God, not from God. Hmm. Worship team, come on up. So, how do we respond? Well, here's a couple of ways, just some suggestions. Man, you need to respond how God is talking to your heart right now. But maybe let me just encourage a couple of things. Like I said earlier, if you are in a situation right now where you're like, Craig, I don't even know if I have the Spirit of God in me, man, you need to take care of that today. You need to find someone to pray with. The prayer team would love to share the love of Jesus with you. And you need to know that you know today that Jesus is your Savior. Because if God is tickling you now, it probably means that God is really speaking to your heart. 
But maybe you're sitting there and you're saved and you have been for a long time and you're like way back at Romans 8.1 and you haven't left that when we talked about therefore there, there is now no condemnation. And you came into church today and you were feeling a little condemned. Maybe you just need to sit there and you just need to let God tell you over and over and over again, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I can't stress that enough. Tell the devil to get out of your head. Because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you need to just come to God and say, God, I have grabbed too many bags of Sour Patch Skittles. Sour Patch Skittles, oh my gosh. I must be hungry, I don't know. Sour Patch Kids, I don't know what they are. But maybe I have fed the flesh way more than I really need to feed the spirit. And you need to go before God and you need to say, God, man, I just want to do over. I want to start again. I want to spend more time feeding the spirit than I do feeding the flesh. I want to set my mind on the spirit. You know, one way to set your mind on the spirit is worship. Man, so when we sing songs, man, you just need to engage. You need to let God not only speak to you, but when you sing, when you sing, you're releasing stuff more than spit. <laughs> this is what they get in youth group all the time. So, man, I just want to encourage you, let God talk to your heart today. As you respond, when they sing some songs, right? Lee and I will be over here and we would love to serve you communion because that's one way to respond. Communion's a great way to just remember what Christ has done for you. He died on the cross, his body on the cross, his blood for the forgiveness of your sin. So as you take communion, it's an acknowledgement that Jesus did that for you. So we'll be up here. You can self-serve communion over at the crosses. There's wine up here. There's fruit juice on the, in the, all over there by the crosses. But let God speak to your heart. Man, before I jump off the stage, I just want to give you a quick prelude to next week. So Jack is going to bring the last section of the message next week in Romans. And I had to cut it off at Romans 8.27. But I can tell you for a fact, and all of my students know what Romans 8.28 is. My life verse. It's Jack's life verse. So we got into a wrestling match of who gets to preach on 8.28, and obviously Jack won. But I got to tell you this. Remember that Romans 8 starts with no condemnation, talks about no defeat in the middle, and ends with no separation. Right there in the middle, it says that all things work for the good of those who love God. And then finishes with nothing can separate you from God. I am so excited to hear what Jack's going to bring next week. Not necessarily Jack, although I love talking and hearing Jack. I'm ex more excited to hear what God's going to tell us through Jack. So, man, as we sing these songs, I want you to just let God speak to your heart.
respond as God would want you to respond. Go back and pray with a prayer team member. Come take communion. Let's pray. God, we just come right now and we say thank you. A huge, massive thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son for us. And Father, we just want to respond right now with how you are are putting something in our hearts. So I just pray, God, that we would just listen and respond accordingly. Father, let no one leave. Let no one leave until you are done doing your business in each heart. So, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let the shadows get denied Your name cannot be overcome Your name is alive Forever lifted high Your name cannot be overcome Your name is alive Let the shadows can't deny ready to raise it? We're going to sing out in victory this morning. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. 
Lift it up. I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody This worship is warfare, amen I raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Sing. I'm gonna sing in the middle of 
It is good. It is good to worship with you guys this morning.